0: Hi, I'm your host Nicole Montaigne and welcome to Wine With Me, the podcast where I drink wine and complain about stuff, because it's my podcast and not yours. Today I will be talking about positive psychology, how it was intended and what it became in popular media while drinking a lovely 2017 Merlot. Also the year I started my PhD and started to need a lot more resilience in positive psychology to make my way through life. Anyway, so positive psychology. I think we may all have that one family member that insists on putting live-love-love signs in their living room and religiously reads magazines like Happiness and Flow. Now I may be wrong, but I feel like this is not exactly what Martin Seligman had in mind when he began the positive psychology movement. So Martin Seligman was the president of the uh, APA Society, uh, and he first coined the term positive psychology, or started the movement rather. So, positive psychology was originally intended uh, to move clinical psychology away from the heuristic of solely fixing what is wrong towards promoting what is already good about a person. However, the message of positive psychology was not not to pretend that negative things don't exist and shouldn't be remedied, but rather uh, that we have been ignoring the other side of the coin. Um, So, there should be a balance between these two and how we approach psychopathology. However, as Martin Seligman himself also mentioned, uh, this does not really translate very well to media-friendly soundbite. Uh, So as with many fields, the representation of positive psychology uh, we see in the media today, um, for example, on Instagram or uh, on television or in television programs, uh, doesn't always match the science and the theory behind it. Now, as a scientist, I will be the first to admit that it's a scientist and butter to point out all the exceptions to a rule we just invented moments earlier. And like Harry Potter only telling, yelling is expel- expel- at Voldemort, <laughs> scientists yelling however at the media won't do much to prevent the latter from Avada cadavering the shit out of them. So instead let's try to destroy some of the positive psychology horcruxes together. Hopefully that will make more of a difference. So this Harry Potter analogy may seem a bit random, but it's actually, it sort of holds up, so hear me out. And also I should note that this podcast is not in Dorf's, Turfs or the Fantastic Beasts series. If uh, I just and really enjoy magic, okay guys? Just let me be. Let me have my fun. <laughs> so, Horcruxes. They hold a piece of Voldemort, right? So each Horcrux captures some of his essence, but not everything. And uh, presents itself very differently from the original as well. So when you only look at the Horcrux, you lose a lot of the context of what Voldemort is. Sure, you may get some of the evil essence, but not all of it. So you don't get the full picture. I'm here to provide that that context that the media has so reluctantly uh, failed to give you. (laughs) So the first Horcrux. Let's start with Slytherin's Locket. I love making analogies, so I'm just going to re- relate all these things that bother me about the representation of media, positive psychology and media, to horcruxes. Deal with it. Again, my podcast, not yours. So, Slytherin's Locket. It may look like a lovely necklace with an amber stone in it, but actually it's really a murder necklace that will try to drown you if given the opportunity. However, if you are already cre- quite evil, it may sort of work for you and complement your look. In the case of the media's translation of positive psychology, the pretty necklace is an extreme representation of what happiness and well-being should look like. Such as a fancy yoga retreat on Bali, where everyone appears to be extremely zen while also looking glamorous at the same time. Now, an argument can be made that these depictions of wellness um, are are meant to... um, Be an inspiration to people, to motivate them, to want to attain at least some of what these people on Instagram seemingly have, or promote some sort of behavioral activation so that people actually may be more inclined to book a vacation for themselves. Which is a common strategy within positive psychology and must grant them that. So examples are attentional deployment in emotional regulation theory, positive future thinking, and best possible self-interventions. But much like Slytherin's necklace working perfectly fine for Dolores Umbridge, but not for Ron Weasley, uh, this type of external motivation may only benefit people who are already in somewhat the same state of mind. So, research has shown that depression and anxiety are are associated with reductions in uh, spontaneous positive imagery, and that these people judge positive events as less likely to occur to them. On top of the fact that these populations have a harder time imagining themselves in such positive scenarios, which can be very demotivating in itself, it can be particularly harsh when these future projections don't actually come to occur. So setting the bar for what happiness looks like so high can therefore have very opposite effect of what you're trying to achieve and make people feel even worse about themselves. So attainability and setting realistic expectations seems to be key here. So maybe instead of thinking about a glamorous yoga retreat on Bali, try to imagine that those people are likely also covered in a lot of mosquito bites that they may have photoshopped away, and that a weekend trip to Tessal might be a more attainable and overall nicer choice. At least for the short run. So next, Helga Hufflepuff's cup. This cup may look quite unassuming, a bit kitsch maybe, But if you touch it, it replicates itself and drowns out all the other objects in a room. Um, This can be seen as an analogy uh, for the way positive psychology is often presented as well, Uh, namely the hyper-focus on positive emotions, thereby drowning out and seemingly invalidating all any other emotional experience. As I mentioned earlier, the positive psychology movement was meant to bring a more balanced perspective to the field of psychology, mostly in relation to pathology. And while wanting to enhance positivity and emotional well-being is not a bad thing, it should not overcrowd the room. Negative emotions have their own place and function as well. First, uh, recent work has illustrated that happiness and depression are ends of the same conceptual continuum, continuum and not completely separate things. They are basically polar opposites. So when you want to consider one pole in research, the opposite automatically applies to the other side. Something that promotes happiness also leads to less depression. So when you only look at one side of the theories, the theories surrounding happiness, that the, the ways to promote happiness, you're at the same time ignoring theories and ideas that are developed to decrease or prevent depression. Many of these theories are arguably more developed than the ones surrounding positive psychology. So again, there should be a balance between trying to fix what is wrong and promoting what is good. So both can benefit from each other. Second, uh, traits like anxiety and pessimism often exist on a similar continuum of sensitivity, where both poles have their own positive and negative consequences. A lot of anxiety may prevent someone from engaging in dangerous activities, but causes a lot of unnecessary stress on occasions where there is no danger. On the other hand, too little or no anxiety may lead to a very happy, lucky individual. Uh, but can also lead them to a a lot of physical and emotional danger because they don't foresee uh, possible dangerous situations because they don't have fear for anything. So a hyper-focus on reaching the end of the continuum that is traditionally seen as more positive sort of ignores the fact that a lot of these negative, in quotes, traits um, also serve a large evolutionary purpose, letting people believe that a totally positive approach to life is the way to go and that negative emotions or traits should be reduced as much as possible is not only unrealistic, but also utterly unhelpful in shaping a well-balanced individual, which was ultimately the goal of positive psychology to begin with. Mm. So last, I wanted to quickly discuss one more crux, Tom Riddle's diary, which has slipped into Ginny Weasley's cauldron uh, as if it were a school book. While positive psychology may have started as a unified movement, uh, there is no one main or correct approach to positive psychology. Each theory is basically a diary with a slightly biased perspective, not a school book that covers everything. There are many different positive psychology theories and approaches that each have their own take on what should be focused on or which factor is pivotal in increasing personal happiness and well-being. Some examples are self-determination theory, the broaden and built theory, Seligman's own permit model, emotion regulation theory, and Kava's well-being therapy. So these are some, just some examples of a much larger whole, um, none of which have the, the ultimate correct answer. This will ultimately depend on what the individual needs, what fits to a person, and which balance of factors is more important to you. Maybe you rely heavily on family. Maybe you rely heavily on an active social life with friends for your happiness. Maybe it's your work that drives you. There are many different factors that can play into personal happiness, and all these models have a different approach to how you can reach full potential in each of these categories, and which should, in theory, to them, be most pivotal. But again, they're all just opinions. They're diaries books. So. I've been talking to, too much and haven't really made a dent in my glass of wine. But let's wrap things up in, <laughs> anyway because I'm sort of getting exhausted by whining about positive psychology. Um, so positive psychology was developed to return balance to the force. Sorry, wrong fandom. Uh, instead, it's now often portray- portrayed as a few... Uh, that a positive outlook is the only way, uh, which causes a risk for invalidation of negative feelings and emotions that all have their own purpose. Uh, In addition, setting the bar for what positivity looks like too high can lead to to people uh, feeling like a failure uh, if that extreme goal is just not attainable or realistic for them, uh, which may further promote their already existing negative feelings. And last, there is not a single way to promote happiness. What works for one person may not work for the other. Uh, and which factor is pivotal for creating personal happiness will also depend on the person. So I hope this dissemination of the horcruxes of positive psychology um, helps some of you guys maybe get closer to defeating your inner Voldemort. Um, and if not, m- maybe try an expelliarmus cr- <laughs> charm one more time. Who knows, maybe this time it will work never stop Harry potter from trying okay well thank you for listening and until the next wine with me bye